I want, I want, I want, me, 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 mine, 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 now, now, now. You know you're responsible for what you hear. You know you're responsible for what you hear. Greetings and welcome to Thoughts from Mary Head, the weekly podcast where I talk about, well, whatever happens to be bouncing around inside my head at the moment, but mostly focusing on constitutional issues and political decentralization. This is episode 37 of Thoughts from Mary Head, and I appreciate you tuning in. This week, I'm going to talk about the First Amendment and freedom of speech. Well, there's been a lot of talk about freedom of speech lately, with protesters shutting down a Trump rally in Chicago last week. And every time I hear somebody say, they violated Trump's First Amendment right to free speech, I want to shove flaming rods through my eardrums. Let's get one thing straight. The First Amendment does not give you the right to free speech. Yes, you heard me right. There is no constitutional right to free speech. Now, before you hit the stop button on this podcast, please hear me out. I'm not saying that you don't have a right to free speech. I'm just saying that the Constitution didn't give it to you. The right to freely express yourself is a natural right. You have it by virtue of the fact that you are a human being. The government doesn't give you rights. They don't spring into existence because some guy two centuries ago wrote it down on some parchment. Natural rights are a part of the essence Of being human. As a result, nobody, including a collection of people called government, can take your rights away. Now, without a doubt, people can use force to stop you from exercising those rights. Governments excel at that. And that's where the First Amendment comes in. The First Amendment doesn't give you a right to free speech, but it does place a legal restriction on government. It limits government. The First Amendment prohibits the federal government from abridging your right to express yourself freely. Samuel Johnson's 18th century dictionary defines abridge as to deprive of. So under the First Amendment, the federal government cannot deprive you of your right to free speech. So if the feds start shutting down Trump rallies, we can invoke First Amendment arguments. Until then, Please, for the love of all that is good and beautiful, stop talking about the First Amendment as if it were the source of your rights. It is nothing more than a limitation on federal power. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not defending the actions of protesters who clearly had every intention of forcing Trump to just shut up because they don't like his message. But apparently, a lot of people think that as long as government doesn't do it, restricting others' right to expression is perfectly okay. Some dude posted this on my Facebook page the other day. I can shut you down and tape your pie hole shut, and I did not infringe on your right to freedom of speech. 
Wait, what? How's that for an incoherent statement for you? Obviously, if you use force and violence to shut me up, you're infringing on my right to free expression, right? I mean, you're keeping me from expressing myself. This is a dangerous impulse if you care anything about living in a free society, and I'm seeing it more and more. People want to shut other people up because they find what they're saying offensive. College campuses are the worst. It seems like I'm hearing about some group or another shutting down this or that speaker on a regular basis, or throwing things at people, or sometimes even worse violence. There's groups that are putting together petitions to ban people with certain points of view from even speaking on campus. Then you have Twitter and Facebook punishing account holders who express things the thought police find unacceptable. I mean, it's really all very Orwellian. Freedom of speech and the press find their roots in the same soil, liberty of conscience. This is one of the most fundamental rights, to think and believe as you see fit. In a nutshell, this means you have the right to determine your own belief system and act on it as long as you don't infringe on another person's natural rights in the process. And you can't infringe on somebody's natural rights just by thinking or saying something. From this, it logically follows that you also have the right to express your ideas freely without being molested or having your pie hole taped shut. This is why we have limits on government power to abridge freedom of speech in the press. But it can't just stop at government. Society itself needs to respect freedom of expression. Maintaining an environment where all kinds of speech and expression are tolerated is absolutely necessary for freedom to thrive. That means letting the racist and the KKK and the anti-gays and whatever other group you happen to be offended by say what they want to say. Freedom is increasingly threatened not so much by law, but by oppressive public opinion. And while it doesn't violate any constitutional provision, it is just as dangerous. John Stuart Mill makes the classic defense of absolute freedom of speech and expression in his book On Liberty. He wrote, The peculiar evil of silencing the expression of an opinion is that it is robbing the human race, posterity as well as the existing generation, those who dissent from the opinion still more than those who hold it. If the opinion is right, they are deprived of the opportunity of exchanging error for truth. If wrong, they lose what is almost as great a benefit, the clearer perception and livelier impression of truth produced by its collision with error. Mill lays out four reasons that society should allow the expression of all opinion. First, a contrary opinion just might be true, even if you're convinced it's not. He wrote, if any opinion is compelled to silence, that opinion may be true. To deny this is to assume our own infallibility. Second, Mill said even if the opinion is false, it may contain a grain of truth. He wrote, though the opinion be in error, it may, and very commonly does, contain a portion of the truth. And since the general or prevailing opinion on any subject is rarely or never the whole truth, it is only by a collision of adverse opinions that the remainder of the truth has any chance of being supplied. Third, Mill said that even if it's completely true, debate and opposition sharpens our ability to defend and understand the truth more completely. He wrote, even if the received opinion be not only true, but the whole truth, 
Unless it is suffered to be and actually is vigorously and earnestly contested, it will, by most of those who receive it, be held in a manner of prejudice, with little comprehension or feeling of its rational grounds. Finally, Mill said that if truth is not challenged, it becomes dead dogma. He wrote, The meaning of the doctrine itself will be in danger of being lost or enfeebled and deprived of its vital effect on the character and conduct. The dogma, becoming a mere formal profession, inefficacious for good, but cumbering the ground and preventing growth of any real and heartfelt conviction from reason or personal experience. I'll add a fifth reason to defend the right of people to say even the most vile and offensive things. Censoring such ideas only shoves them underground. The ideas don't go away. They just fester in the darkest corners of society. Then you never know where the danger is. I'll give you an example. A lot of people want to ban the Confederate battle flag. But my wife says she wants people to fly it with pride. That way she knows who to avoid. Keep the worst elements of society in the light. And, you know, if you actually engage in conversation, you might find that not everybody displaying a Confederate symbol is a racist. Anyway, it's a lot better to deal with bad ideas in public than to force them underground. Benjamin Franklin wrote, Without freedom of thought, there can be no such thing as wisdom, and no such thing as public liberty without freedom of speech. Franklin was right. We need to guard our right to free expression jealously because there can be no free society without it. Well, that's it for this episode of Thoughts from Meharry Head. We're another 10 minutes closer to freedom. I really appreciate you listening. If you enjoyed the show, please do me a favor and spread the word. Make sure you head over to iTunes if you haven't already and subscribe to the podcast for free. And feel free to send me any thoughts or ideas you might have to michael.meharry at 10thamendmentcenter.com. Thanks again for listening, and I'll talk to you next time.